Good evening. Uh, we're continuing the series of Mesilat uh, Yesharim, Path to the Just. Last week, uh, we finished Chapter 17, which was uh, the suggestion, the instruction, I should say, how to, how to get to purity. How to get to purity. And uh, how a person can get to a situation after he realized that uh, all these pleasures and illusions around him actually bring him much more bad than good, then a person be begin to understand that he invests in the wrong thing. So we explain uh, the two different kinds of, uh, of, of ways how a person purifies his thoughts and his actions. This is what we, what we focused on last year, last week. And today is uh, chapter 18, it's Be'ur uh, Midat HaChasidut. This is the, a very interesting chapter, what we're going to learn now. Actually, as a matter of fact, when the Lutzato, Rabbi, Chaim, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato, in Padova, in Italy, when he wrote this book, of course, he was in handwriting, and, and someone copied it with the handwriting and delivered one copy to the Vilna Gaon in Vilna. And when he saw that chapter that we're about to learn, uh, he wore his uh, Shabbat clothes, his special uh, outfit, and took his cane and was ready to go to meet this Chacham who wrote this book. He said, where is it? I told him in Padova, Italy. He said, I will walk all the way there just to see to meet him because it's a huge light came to the world that, ne that was not here until now. And they told him, Rabbi, it's too late because uh, he already passed away. He was very, very young, 39 years old, passed away, passed away. Uh, close to 100 books he wrote. We have few of them in our hand. Uh, the rest, either they disappeared or it's way above the level of the generation. And uh, he's going now to speak about Midat HaChasidut. I explained in previous lectures that Midat HaChasidut, Hasidut means to do extra, to do more than the requirements of the Torah, which means the Torah say to you something is allowed, and the person gets to a level that already not that he's doing just because he has to do, because there's no other way, he's doing it because he wants to do. Therefore, he suggests more to Hashem. You know, Hashem told me to do up to level 70. It's not enough for me. I want to do more for Hashem. What is it like? Like a father and son, that the father said to his son to do, to clean a room, and the son knows there's other things that can be used, you know, use this cleaning, and he volunteered to do more. Usually it doesn't happen. Usually it does what the father says, and he's hoping when, when it will be over already, you know? But uh, this is called Midat Hasidut, that a person does more than he's actually obligated to do. And this is how the Ramchal starts the chapter. It says Midat Hasidut, this actually level of Hasidut, today in our generation, there's a very, very common mistake. Because there are certain Jews that call Hasidim, and automatically, when we see the word Hasidut and Hasidim and, and, and what we read here, so we think it's the same thing. But the truth is not necessarily that there's any connection between this and that. Because there are all different kinds of Jews. Some of them are Hasidim, and most of them are not Hasidim. 
whether their name is Hasidim or Litvish or Yemenite or Sephardi or whatever you want to call them is nothing to do with what we're learning here right now. Right now we're learning a level of a, of a person, a Jew, that wanted to go to the highest level of the Torah, of serving Hashem in this life, regardless where he comes from, regardless what country he comes from, regardless if he wear a fair hat or a long special coat, or he dressed differently with a short jacket or all kinds of uh, Middle Eastern uh, outfits, regardless. It can be from all places, just a person that accepted on himself to go to the highest level in Avodat Hashem. So the Ramchal say, Midat Hasidut, this level of Hasidut, it needs a lot of explanations. Why? Because the mistakes in this field are great. There's big mistakes. Many mistakes, and each one could be very big. Ki minagim rabim, udrachim rabim, ovrim ben rabim ibne adam b'shem chasidut. The Ramchal say there are many different behaviors, many different customs among different kinds of people, and they do it in the name of chasidut, chasidim. You know they want to be chasid. Ve'enam ela golmei chasidut. But they are far away from really following what Hasidut is. They are with no title, with no image, without correction. Which means they think that they are in a path that called Hasidut. But in reality, not only they're not in this path, they are actually going through a complete different direction. And this common mistake, the Ramchal says, Where this mistake come from? That a person does not pay attention to all the details and doesn't learn the real requirements. And therefore he comes to the wrong conclusions. They didn't put all their efforts in learning how to know God in a clear and straight way. And they did, and they put a lot of energy and effort to try to satisfy this God in their ways, but they did it based on their feelings and their hearts and their own personal opinion without paying attention to their real requirements. So this is a very common problem that people have in this generation. They did not put it on the scale of the wisdom to know what's really Hasidut and what's waste of time and energy. Thank you. And uh, they didn't know. They, 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 they killed themselves. They put efforts, they do things, and in the end, it's really nothing. I give you an example. It's off the, the subject here. You know, after Judaism started, 80,000 religions and cults came after. Among them, we know two of them, Islam and uh, Christianity. One of the things the Muslims did is imitating Judaism. We're trying to improve certain things to make their way even more strict than what the Jews do. So for instance, when they saw the Jews praying three times a day, so they decided to do five times a day. And then they saw that in the Torah it says that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, went up to heaven and for 40 days he didn't eat. 
So they made themselves a Ramadan fast for 40 days that now all of us will be Moshe Rabbeinu. <laughs> and when they saw the Jews taking their shoes off Bet HaMikdash, when they go to the Holy Temple, they take off the shoes. So they decided we will do it every day. Every one of our masks, we all take the shoes off. And when they saw the Jewish ladies that they are dressed very modestly and much more than all the other nations around, so they decided how we're going to be more modest than the Jewish girls. We will require our girls to also cover their face. Because the Jews cover everything, but they leave the face open, the women. So we will require our ladies to cover our face. But they didn't know that according to the Torah, a woman who covers her face, it's an indication that she's a prostitute. That's what the Torah said, but they didn't know that part. So they made a big mistake. They require all the women to cover their face. When in Judaism, you're not allowed to cover your face. God said, no, I want the face open. The face of every human being must be always open. Also with the shoes, Dafka in Bet HaMikdash, there is a problem. But other places, it's no problem. So they didn't know. They saw all kinds of things, and they wanted to do it more. The sad part is that some of these Muslims are born in a country that since they're little kids, they teach them and they brainwash them with Islam and Quran and all these things. And some of them really put lots of efforts in their life. It's not so simple to fast for 40 days from morning to sunset, from sunrise to sunset. So all these things is really not a, not a requirement. It's no requirements. Think about it. They do all what they did. It's all man-made laws. They put some efforts in what they do. And in the end, none of that consider a mitzvah. None of it. You understand? So it's very strange. A person would suffer 67 years and put efforts in something. And in the end, he finds out he was investing in a wrong field. Rather, if they would only keep the seven laws that God required from the Gentiles to keep and do it well, they will be righteous and go to heaven. And now they put probably much more energy and wasting their life completely. They come to heaven after they die and they say to God, okay, all right, so we made a mistake. So Judaism is the only truth. But how can you ignore everything we did? What's going to be the answer? Same way, I don't give credit for Jews of doing things out of stupidity. I'm not going to give you any reward for doing things out of stupidity. You had all the tools to go and investigate what's the real truth and what's the requirements. It's public, it's everywhere, especially in this generation. The fact that you didn't go and you just ate what people fed you, you have a problem. And it's not only Muslim, it's everyone. And, and again, it's also in Judaism. Some groups in Judaism also following a certain path that if they really only knew, they would realize that it's all mistake what they do. You know, they put a lot of efforts in something. They think they're unique, but being unique not always means being extra righteous. Sometimes you lose more than you gain. So that's what the Ramchal is going to speak in this chapter, how foolish people can get without checking very carefully where to invest their efforts. We, all of us, in, to some extent, we put lots of efforts in things that are not so important. When it comes to the most critical things in the Torah, we somehow neglect it because we don't have the strength anymore. We are so busy with nonsense that when it comes to something that is really important, we're not paying attention so much. But it's not only about energy. It's also the way of the Satan of fooling us 
and making us put all our efforts in something that is it's basically a, a bad investment. A bad investment. If you have an enemy and he wants to make you lose his, your money, what would he do? Always direct you to the wrong fields, to the wrong investment. Won't give you the good stocks, he'll give you the ones. He, he has to sell for other companies. So his brother will give him the money. If he loves his brother, he'll give him the best investment. When his enemy comes, he'll give him the worst investment. Why? He's interested that he's going to lose money. This is the way of the Satan. He'll always find us where to put our energy, and in the end, we're left with almost nothing. So the Ramchal say the people who do not put things on a scale and wait very carefully, not only that they are not Hasidim, they make the smell of Hasidim smell very bad everywhere. Why? Because now when someone reads Midat Hasidut, he thinks to himself, I know this Hasid. That's what they're talking about, being like him. I'll die, I don't want to be like this. He does this, he does that. And they don't understand the people that, yeah, he called himself Hasid, and everyone called him Hasid, because this is the way it turns somehow in a world. But it's nothing to do with the real requirements. Some of these Hasidim, what we call Hasidim, they're really Hasidim. Yeah, they are, I know a few. Very, very high level of Torah and Avat Israel and Chesed and Dvekut and modesty. There's a lot to be jealous with them, of course. But you have like this everywhere, by Sfaradim, by Litvish, by Yemen. You can, you can find it everywhere. Not necessarily the hat is what makes you a Hasid. So it says like this. It says, Ine ele iv ishu. Iv ishu means bad smell. They made the Hasidut smell bad in the eyes of the public. And what's going to be? Because it became a habit, it became a norma that everyone thinks that this is what Hasidut means in the eyes of God. And that's why they don't want anything to do with that. And it's not necessarily only Hasidut. Today I hear about it every hour. You know what? I want, I want it to be religious, but when I see what the religious people are doing, I don't want anything to do with that. I wanted to do this and this and that, but when I see how these people behave, I don't want anything to do with that. But that's a very bad claim. Because there is a truth, and there are the people who try to follow the truth, and there are some who try but fail. Just because they are failures, losers, doesn't mean I have to be one of them. I want to be a winner. Yeah, we're both trying to reach the same thing. Imagine people come and say, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to do anything with my life. Let me lay in bed until I die. So you tell them why. You say, well, so many people go to work. How many really became rich? 5%, 95% struggle, looking for jobs, unemployment, depression, problems. Been taking advantage of. Why should I even do it? So many losers out there. Let me be one of them. We don't find that, right? Everyone try to be the five percent winners. But when it comes to the eternity, oh, how the Satan is fooling us. So it says like this: the people will think that Hasidut depend on this nonsense, and that's against the logic and against the real truth. What do they think? Oh, you know what it means to be a chassid? To pray all day. 
all day to pray, to pray, to pray non-stop. I'm stuck with Hashem 100%, all day, all night, all day, all my life. Bakashot rabot, many requests, viduim gdolim, confessions all day, confessions, oh, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. No, what's wrong about that? This is what he writes, this is one of the most legendary people ever live in this place. Ever, in history. Right? We're not talking a regular soul here, in case you didn't understand, yeah? So he writes, they think that being a chassid means to pray all day. So what does it mean? No, it's not true. To do confessions all day, not true. To cry all day to Hashem, not true. To bow down all the time, not true. To torture ourselves, fasting, torturing, not eating, not, not touching uh, delicious food, all kinds of things like this, not true. To, to make a person die, to make yourself roll in the ice without shirts, suffering the freezing ice. I'm taking this on myself to erase my sins, to erase that specific sins that I did. That next time, when I, every time I'm gonna make that scene, I'm gonna jump into the ice and suffer for an hour for it. All kinds of things like this. Here the Ramchal say, these people did not know that even though a little bit from all this list is required, very little from it. Yeah, you have to pray, you have to pray. And to conf confess, you have to confess. There's time for it. And uh, sometimes not to touch delicious food, or maybe it's better to work on your desires. Yes, it's also fine. It's not, not a little bit of it is not negative. But when we become a way of life, that's what you're focusing on. That's not Hasidut. You're not reaching any Hasidut. This is not the foundation of Hasidut at all. None of these things. You want to praise Hashem? Very nice. Do it in the right time and the right amount. You want to pray? Fine. You want once in a while not to touch certain things and say, I'm working on my character in the now and I'm, yeah, fine. But to do it from morning to night, to torture yourself every day. Of course, these kind of people who live like this, how, many, how much Torah they can learn? If they're busy all day with confessions and learning and rolling in the eyes and all these things, how much Torah are they going to learn? After 30 years, you see they don't know anything. And I know a few people like this that were so busy with some of these things that after 10, 20 years that they supposedly bali tshuva, they don't really know that much. They didn't have time to learn because they were focusing on these things. And then that's like investing a dollar to make a penny. They invest the dollar, all these tortures, whatever they do. No. But then they lose a dollar. The same penny that they invest, I mean, they, they invest a dollar to make a penny, it doesn't make sense. So the Ramchal say, the reality of Hasidut, it's a very deep thing and not easy to understand. It's much, much deeper than what people think. It's funded on foundations of, of a huge wisdom and correcting the actions of the human being and the purpose of the human being and every chacham, every person who loves wisdom and learn has to do everything he can to run after that, to run after this kind of level, which means chasidut. But the truth is that only the real wise learners 
will achieve it. Not everyone will achieve it. It's called Yechides Gula. Single individuals, one out of a thousand, one out of ten thousand. We don't know exactly the ratio. Velo Chasid. And a person cannot do all these things without learning and then stay in the level of Hasidut. It cannot be. Why? Because if you don't have knowledge, you can never even go to the next step. First step, first requirement is lots of knowledge in Torah. You know all the basic terms. You know impurity, you know uh, purity, you know all the laws, required laws, everyday law, Shabbos law, Yom Tov laws, the laws, the comes Firat Omer, you know everything. You know a lot. Plus you know Gemara, you know Rashi, you know Tosfot, you know, you, you know, there's a minimum requirement to be called the Chacham. And that's the Ramchal say, let's explain now in the right order. In a Shoresh HaChasidut, what's the root of what we call Hasidut, being a Hasid? This is what Chazal say in the Gemara in Masechet Brachot, the chapter of Brachot, page 17. Ashrei Adam she'amalo batorah ve'oseh nachat ruach le'yotzro. This is the foundation now, this sentence that I just read. This is really the foundation of being a Hasid. Not the Kugel or the hat or the fasting, or reading Tehillim all day, or torturing yourself in the eyes. None of these things. What's the foundation of being a real Hasid? Is doing what Hashem loves the most. Which means, put all your efforts in learning Torah. Amaloba Torah. Not only learning, like in university. Some student learns also very hard. Well, they want to be a lawyer, a doctor, whatever he wants to be. So he learns many hours and homework. We're not talking this kind of learning. We're talking that it becomes your oxygen. That's really the level. That you cannot live a minute without it. That whether you're in a car, whether you walk in the street, whether you're in a house with your children and your wife, yeah, you're with them, but your mind is in a Torah. You cannot live a minute without it. Just like the Rambam said, that someone is in love with a woman and all day he thinks about her, and everything is about her, and everything he thinks, what she would do if she'd be here. And today when our phone call, every ring, he runs to the phone to see if it's her. That's a, a very high level of a person. Still today? Yeah, still today. So if a person gets to this level that he loves the Torah just like he loves a woman very much, then you know that the Torah is everything in his life. People give up money, people give up careers, people give up trips, People give up their future for temporary love that they have, a month or two, whatever. They do very not rational things. If you talk to their logic, he will tell you, I know 100% I'm doing something very, what, I'm dumb? I know that's going to cost me big time. I can't help it. And that's what's happening today. So if a person gets to this level like he loved the Torah, that's what happened to Ben Azai. There was one Chacham, his name is Ben Azai. The Chachamim told him, you teach about the importance of getting married, and you yourself not getting married, what's the point? So he told him, what can I do? I really want to get married. But Chashkan Afshi Torah, I'm addicted to Torah. I'm addicted. An addicted person to anything can run a normal marriage life. Anything you'll be addicted to, even nonsense. You cannot have marriage life. Needless to say, if you're addicted to the real thing, to the Torah, how can you have normal life? You know, what are you going to do? It's very difficult. So the Chachamim say he's dismissed from getting married. 
even though it's the first mitzvah in the Torah, to get married and have children, is dismissed. The Torah didn't speak about angels like him. But the Gemara says also something interesting, that he's the last one who's dismissed. Because you can never find anyone like him anymore. In their time, he was one. Also, it was like this, Yonatan ben Uziel, one of the students of Ilela Zaken. The birds were burning around him when he was learning. So he also didn't want to get married. That's why they go to his grave in Israel, in Amuka, go down the hill, not far from Meron and Tzfat. It's gula to get married, because he gave his whole life for the Torah and gave up marriage. Somehow it's a, it's a, it's a special ability and blessing. Many people claim when, by going there, they got married. It's gula. So the Ramchal said the root is Ashre Adam She'amalo Torah. His Torah becomes his oxygen. He brings pleasure and satisfaction to his Creator. So what brings pleasure to the Creator? Rolling in the ice and suffering for the sins? No. All day reading Tehillim? Also not. It's important. Again, don't get me wrong. Don't come to the wrong conclusion. All of these things are important to some extent. But to make it the main thing in your life, that's not Hasidut. And then he continued the Ramchal and he says, and the, and the matter is that um, everybody understands. Well, he didn't know that there will be people in our generation that don't even know what they live for. He's talking in his time. Every Jew knew. What are the mandatory mitzvot that every Jew has to keep? Everyone knows it. Everyone knows their obligation up to where. Today it's not true. 80% don't know. Ask a typical Jew, what's the mitzvot? Pesach coming. Doesn't know anything. What's Lila Seder? He knows a little bit, you know, eating matzah and watching television, a good movie. That's what they know. What do they know? So today, today it's not true anymore. 250 years ago it was true. Every Jew knows that. People grew up with that. There's no public school. There's only Torah school. Torah school. There's no public school. And the Jews learn Torah whether they want it or not, since they're young. There's no other options. So everyone knows the main obligation. Keep Shabbos, eating kosher, blessing, tzitzit, filin. Everybody knew that. Everybody knows that. But someone who loved the Creator, real love, not love with interest that... What does he give me? Oh, so now I love him because he gave me a lot today. Not this kind of love. A real love. Just like I said before. A love that when you love someone, you're willing to give everything. You don't care anymore about anything. Just for that person. Lo ishtadel. Ve'ekaven liftor atzmo b'mah shekvar mefursam min achova asher al kol Yisrael bichlal. Someone like that will never be satisfied just keeping the mandatory laws. Like you say, just pass the test. In Israel, they give you 56. That's the red line. I mean, 55. Below that, you fail. 55 and up, you passed. It's not a good mark, you know, but you don't have to take a test again. So it's fail or passed. So some student comes and says, all I want is 56. I'm very happy. But they're real good students. I want 56. It's a big disaster, 56. I want minimum 95. Less than that, I'm practically failing. That's in his mind. 
So who's gonna get to a higher level in the end? Someone who's aiming for 56 or someone who aimed for minimum 95? We know what's gonna happen, no? So it says, what would happen to him, to someone who aiming to this level, it's like a son who loves his father. That if his father will only hint to him that he needs something, he, don't, he doesn't even let him start talking. Right away, jump like a tiger. Wow, my father moved his head. I know what he wants. Cup of tea. Oh, he runs right away to the kitchen. Next thing he saw his father looking at the dirt on the floor. He doesn't wait until he say, come and clean it. Right away, bring the dustpan. This, the... Right away, he does it. That's a different level. When a father tells you, do it, okay. Well, do I have a choice? Today, even that, they don't even say, okay. <laughs> so it says, You will do everything extra. The father say, take the garbage down. He also clean everything around it. He put everything in order. Why? He enjoy to do it. That's a different level. Most of us do it because we have to do it. There's no choice. If you smile, you got to do it. There's nothing you can do. What can you do? But some, how many are doing it because they are delighted to do it? That's, that's me, that Hasidu. I'm happy. I'm honored. I'm so lucky. I feel so lucky that I have the merit to serve the creator of the universe. And he cares about every little thing I do. His father told him 10 years ago once that he doesn't like certain things to be done. That's enough for him. He doesn't need more. So it's already enough for that son to understand the opinion of his father to what direction it shifts. And right away he will do everything that he can to satisfy him. Today, let me give you a few examples of what does it mean, Hasidut, False Hasidut. False. Let's see if we are in this category or not. First of all, the Gemara says, in Masechet Ta'anit, in a chapter of fasting, page 11, the Gemara says, the Gemara says, Talmid Chacham, someone who's a high scholar, high level scholar in yeshiva, that fasting, lechinam, for no specific reason. We're not talking about a horrible dream, it's going, some tragedy is about to happen, so he took ta'anit. Or if it's ta'anit ester, or one of the fast. We're talking, he decided to fast. There's no value for his fasting. Why? He loses more than he gains. It's enough, he learns... Uh, Five minutes less in concentration his Torah, that's already lost more than he gained. And Rashi writes, Eno mo'idlo, does not benefit him in any way. Now let's listen carefully what I said here. If a big rabbi who learns all his life Torah has become a Talmid Chacham, very difficult to be a Talmid Chacham, very difficult. It's not so simple. So much to know. It's wider than the ocean, the Torah. So if a person is already called Talmid Chacham in a generation of the Gemara, not like today that every writer in the newspaper is already Talmid Chacham, because he copied from few books. We're talking real, the Gemara calls him Talmid Chacham. You know what it means? Minimum one of the giant rabbis that you know today, minimum that level, nothing less than that. And he decided to fast for whatever reason. 
maybe as a scene, maybe say something they shouldn't say, whatever. There's a reason why he chose to fast. Thought maybe he's going to make Hashem more happy that he's fasting today and learning with sorrow and pain. Rashi says, it does not benefit him in any way. Needless to say, when people fast for nothing, like I gave an example, Ramadan, or making up all kinds of things, it's not even a requirement. Mm-hmm. Over here, there's a reason to do it. And as a big chacham, if he chose to fast, believe me, he knows what he's doing. But you lose more than you gain. That's why the Gemara say, lechinam, for nothing. He's fasting for nothing. This is one example. Rav Moshe Feinstein is a very big tzaddik that lived here in America. The biggest chacham perhaps in the land of America ever. Maybe I'm mistaken, I don't know, but from what I've seen and heard, perhaps the biggest chacham. He passed away about 20 years ago. Lower East Side. And he wrote, in a modesty for men. Did you know there's such thing, modesty for men? There's also modesty for men. What modesty? Not only how he behaves, how he dress. So he wrote like this. This is in a book, Igrot Moshe, Yore De'a, Gimel, and it's right there, Alacha uh, Daled. It says like this. If the heat makes a person suffer with the extra clothing, long and heavy clothing, that, le- that wearing this clothing it's not a requirement. It's called midat chasidut. It's extra. person wants to be extra respectable in front of Hashem. That's why he wear jackets and this and that and a tie. And it's very humid. It's a very hot day. So it says, is not obligated. He's not obligated to force himself to be a chasid if he suffers. A real chasid doesn't suffer even you put him inside the oven. Because he's so happy that he's doing it for the honor of God, that no matter what torture you bring to him, won't, won't bother him a bit. If you get to a level that you're suffering, you're walking depressed because you have to walk like this because you're afraid what people's going to say, and it's not even an obligation, that's, not, that's stupidity. And look what he writes. He should trust God that he sees sorrow, suffering, and even, it's not even midat chasidut to suffer because you want to look extra respectable. It's not even midat chasidut. It's not chasidut. It's no mitzvah in Judaism to torture yourself. Rav Zilberstein, another one from Gdolei Ador. Say that he heard from Rav Chaim Kanievsky, one of the top three in the world. One person came to the biggest rabbi lived in the last hundred years in the land of Israel, the Chazonish. Nobody argued this, that he, he was born in a wrong generation. He belongs a thousand years earlier with his brain, Chazonish. Shabbat. He came and said to Chazonish, Rabbi, when I put a tie on Shabbat in the heat of Nebrak, very, very humid over there, I suffer from the heat. The Chazonish told him, if there is no oneg on Shabbat, is mitzvah to enjoy. Every minute of Shabbat has to be pleasure. 
If there's no oneg, and kvot Shabbat. If a person suffer because he tried to respect Shabbat with his clothing and he suffer from it, he has to walk on a spiritual level that he won't suffer. But as long as he suffer, it's not a mitzvah. You understand what's going on here? I'll give another example. The Shla Kadosh lived in a generation of the Ari 500 years ago in Tzfat. One of the Gdolea Dor, Gdor Dea, one of the greatest generations we had in history in Tzfat. This is what he writes. Yesh ladad ki achumrot ayeterot lo tiviot lanu. Should know that all these extra things that people invented, all this trick invention, they are strange to us. It's not our vision and not our future. They're not our purpose. We don't live to search for extra things more than what God already told us to do. That's not what some people think. Oh, if you're going to do this and this and that, then we'll know you're serious. But if not, no. Some people say, you know what, I don't put tzitzit, Rabbi? Because anyway, I walk without kippah on the street. So it looks strange to me. I have tzitzit under my clothes, and I walk without kippah. What's the connection? It's two different mitzvot. The tzitzit is mitzvah from the Torah every second. Kippah is mitzvah the Rabbanan. Once you have it, it's two different mitzvot. So just because you did something bad here, you're going to do something else now because you already made a different scene. What's the connection? Or, or let me give you another example. One person, you know, there's a sgula. You know what sgula? Rabbi, how do you say sgula in English? Sgula. It's a hard word. Some words just does not exist in English. Sgula means... A good luck charm. Good luck charm. Good luck charm? Good luck charm. Okay, a good luck charm. We'll take your, we'll take your explanation. So a person uh, is sometimes looking for good luck charms. One of them is to keep the lulav from the holiday of Sukkot and burn it with the chametz in Erev Pesach. This year it's going to be Friday morning. Everyone goes to burn the chametz. So he's saying, oh, I have the lulav from the last Sukkot, so it's mitzvah to throw the lulav into the fire with the bread. So one person lost his lulav. So he says, they told him, why you don't take your chametz to burn it? He said, because I lost my lulav. <laughs> Understand how foolish we are sometimes. Who care about the lulav now? This is an obligation from the Torah to get rid of the chametz. Every second the chametz is going to be by you over here in America, eight days. It's every second three scenes. Three, six, nine, twelve, every second. So he's, he's working, worried about the good luck charm that he, he, he lost his lulav. Well, it's not an obligation. It's, uh, you know, by the way, you should know it's good to burn it over there. Yes, yes, no, no, no big deal. Nobody gets punished for not doing it. But this is how people lose what's real, what's real and what's nonsense. And the nonsense became the Ten Commandments. And the most critical things in the Torah became a good luck charm. You want to do it? Fine. You don't want to do it? We understand. You understand? I know a person who doesn't let his wife go to the mikveh because he cannot wait almost two weeks without touching her. So he doesn't let her do it. But that person kills himself to dove nets every morning. 
and to go to the mikveh almost every day. You understand how foolish these things are? Or I know people that do all other sins, but what's important for them is to stand outside when they pray on the grass, because they heard that the grass has angels who tell him to grow. So you see, the thing is a sgula, according to Rabbi Nachman Mibreslev, there's some kind of a good luck charm to do it, sgula. So now they stand in the rain, they cannot focus on the prayer because the rain is raining on them. But they're thinking about the good luck charm. You fool, you lose a million dollars to make a dollar. The davening is, the, is what the mitzvah is now. You have to think about every word. Stand in front of Hashem. Worry about the grass. And he cannot think about the words. You understand what's happening? Let's give a few more examples. Most of the people in the world, they think they're Hasidim in the level of what we speak here. But they're not real Hasidim. They call Hasidim Shotim. You know what Hasidim Shotim with that? Foolish. Foolish Hasidim. They're not really Hasidim. The Rambam says, it's a mitzvah from the Torah in the night of Lela Seder. Coming soon, two weeks. And the night of Lela Seder is mitzvah to talk about the exodus of Egypt to your children, to your wife, to everyone in the table. The more you do, the better it is. You speak one hour, very nice. Two hours, much better. Three, much better. Five, some people all the way to the morning. Every word is mitzvah from the Torah. This, Moshe, Paro, what happened? You bring books, you read parts about the Agada. It's the main mitzvah of the night. So almost nobody stay late. People eat, stuff their stomach. 11 o'clock, they're already falling asleep especially when they drink four cups of wine. Let's, let's finish quickly, and they go to sleep. 12 o'clock, he's in bed already. Wow, three hours, it's enough, Lela said, the rabbi. But the night of Shavuot, that it's only a custom. It's not even an halacha. Almost everyone come and stay all the way to the morning. But the night that every word is mitzvah from the Torah, nobody almost stayed. Besides the ones that are real chachamim, they know the value of talking the Torah in the night of Lela Seder. But the night of Shavuot, or Shana Rabbah, almost everyone come and stay to the morning. It's a custom. Here we are obligated. Nobody, has, nobody pays attention. Then, a person in the nine days, Tisha B'Av, we're not allowed to eat meat. That's halacha, we don't eat. It's, it's based on a custom, minag. But it's officially in halacha, it's the law. What happens if a person needs meat because he's very weak, he's a very weak person, and he needs the vitamin of the meat, and the meat keeps him going because he's already very weak. So if he won't eat meat now for nine days, he won't be able to learn Torah. So what did we do? We keep one minhag, one custom, and we made him lose a billion mitzvot in nine days. All the Torah is learning, teaching. Well, what did we do? So one case like this happened in the time of Rav Shlomo Zalman Oyerbach, a giant posek, posek of the Ashkenazi world. Also, 15, 20 years ago, that's it. He allowed a weak student of him to eat meat in the nine days. Eat meat every day, don't worry. Focus and learn Torah. Why? The Chachamim knew when you have bad and worse, you choose bad. Bad and worse, that's either this or that. What do you do? You choose worse? 
So what's the other options? To tell him no, lay in bed for nine days and you cannot come to learn all day in yeshiva? What's the other options? This is a unique situation. Don't try to look for excuses now. Oh, you know, I'm weak. What do you mean you're weak? You cannot play five hours basketball, only three. Come on. We're talking someone that really was a, a scarecrow. You can hardly walk, you know. Then, it says like this. Rav Israel Misalant, the founder of the ethic movement, Tnuata Musar, this is what he writes in his book. Ikara ma'ala shel rav, the greatest level of a rabbi, sheyeh gadol batorah, that he will be very knowledgeable in Torah, v'irat shamayim, and fear from God. So not only he knows, but he's really fearing God, God-fearing. Uvaki be'oraah, and a specialist on answering the laws to people who ask him. Some people know a lot of Torah, but they don't know how to answer questions about halachot. He knows a lot of Talmud, he knows Zohar, Kabbalah, Musar, a lot of things. But to really give you a precise answer in every scenario, what to do in this given moment, very few in the world knows how to do it. It's very complicated. Because not the same law will apply to two people. Two people come to the same rabbi in the same moment. One of them has to do this, one has to do a little different. And this was what's great about being a, big, a real chacham that have experience with, with uh, answering, answering halachot. He should have strong, solid shoulders to allow everything there is a way to allow. Not to always automatically push people to the strict side, the opposite. Let me see what I can do according to the law to find him a way that it will be permitted. That's really what Hashem wants. Not just to make it life hard, no. If there is a way, I must find it for him. No way, no way. If a person wants to drive on Shabbat because he wants to go play golf. No, no, I have to. If not, I'll be depressed. Come on. You know, but there are some things in life that you have to find a way to do it. And he gives an example of one rabbi like this. Rav Yitzchak Elchanan Spector, the head of the Beit Din of Kovna. He brings him as an example. He always found, according to the Torah, the, the most lenient way possible to keep it kosher. Everyone can say, not allowed, not allowed. Of course, it's very easy. What, Rabbi, can we do it? Not allowed, God forbid. We have to know that if it's allowed and you say to them, not allowed, it's not what Hashem wants. You should know that. What else? It says like this, Rav Yitzchak Elchanan, the one I was just talking about, the Rabbi of Kovna. It says like this, one rabbi was upset that he's giving lenient answers in halacha. So he spoke against him. So he said, if I would allow people to eat non-kosher food, the worst thing can happen to me that when we come to the afterlife, I will ask them to forgive me, and I'm more, most confident that they will. I made an innocent mistake. It wasn't intentional. Forgive me. I made a mistake. But if I would make the animals lose their correction, which means I tell them it's not kosher, and it was kosher, according to God, 
instead of eating that animal and make a correction to the soul who reincarnated in that animal, what's going to happen? They throw it to the dogs. And that person will have to come back to the world. So I did not make the, I did not get the animal to get the correction that he needs in this life. I don't want business with animals. People I can ask for forgiveness. Animals, <laughs> what would I tell the cow? I'm sorry, because of me they didn't eat you on Yom Tov. <laughs> what would I do? Of course, he was joking with them. He, was, he tried to answer him in a nice way. Don't think that just being strict, this is what the truth is. Then, give you another example. In the book of Micha, Micha is one of the prophets. Micha 6, verse 3. This is what Hashem says. Hashem. He says like this. Amar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Ami, Hashem said to us, My nation, Ma'asiti lach, What did I do to you? Umay leticha, How did I make you suffer? Anebi, answer me. What does it mean, the translation of this verse? Hashem says, you see, that I'm not looking to bother you for nothing. When you say Shema, I allowed you whether you stand, whether you sit, whether you walk, everywhere, whatever the scenario is, no problem. I didn't tell you to, uh, to, do, to do something extremely difficult, that you can only do it when you do this and this and that. No, whether you're here, whether you're there, no, no problem. So Rav Amram Gaon, one of the genius that lives about a thousand years ago, he says that Hashem is praising himself for not being too strict with us. He could have made it a lot stricter. What do we learn from here? If Hashem comes to us according to the prophet and say, did you see when I told you to do Shema, I allow you to do it in the most easiest way? That means... We as people always have to do the same. If there is a kosher way that is not so expensive, there is two ways, very expensive and not so expensive. They're both kosher. Let me direct him to the most lenient way. He wants to be extreme, to do the strict way, very good. But I give him the options. Sometimes they don't tell them even the, the lenient option. This is the way. He paid double for nothing. When it comes to the matzot, this is an example. You, people buy handmade matzah, cost triple than machine. But there's big rabbis who say machine also good. If you know shmura, you know you buy it with good ashgacha, some allowed. So you give them the option. You say, look, some say this is kosher. Here, everyone agrees it's kosher, 100% strict, highest level. Over here, some say, big ones say it's allowed. Maybe he doesn't have the money. Maybe he doesn't want to be so strict. So you got to show the people what's the halakha for real, not what's the extras are. The extras, there's no end to the extras. But what is the red line? To give him the option what he wants to choose. The Ramban writes, for those who spend all day and all night with their wives in bed and eat delicious food all day, 
כושר אוף קורס. 750 years ago, who hate not kosher in those days? Ramban speak about people who keep mitzvot. Everything 100% without violating the Torah. Person can be with his wife all day. Torah didn't say if she's pure after mikveh. He can be with his wife all week in a room. Nobody can tell him what to do. He has enough money. Servants do his job. So what's the problem? It's a sin. It's not allowed. The answer is no. To eat delicious caviar, if it's kosher, it's, it's a sin? No. Those kind of people are naval birshut ha-Torah. Ramban invented this term, naval birshut ha-Torah, which means taking advantage on, on the law for their own convenience. But the Ramban later said that they're violating a sin from the Torah after all anyway. What is it? Kdoshim tiyu. God told us you have to be holy. Can never be holy laying in bed with your wife all day from morning to night all week and eating delicious food and the servant comes and you know in a hotel and you say no you know what I can be just like the Ramban holy. <laughs> yeah you didn't violate any specific rule but overall you violate a general rule of obligation to be holy. Cannot be only if you're addicted so much to the pleasure of life. So taste here and there, no problem. Don't be killing yourself, oh, I never touch this, I never touch that, I don't do this, I don't sit on this chair. We're not in this level, don't fool anyone. But to become addicted to it and spend your entire life in it, for sure, where are you going to end? Where? And you know that one thing leads to another. One week you do like this, and let's see you after that if you can go to shul and pray. After a week like this. It's very difficult. So the Ramchal continue, the Ramchal say like this. We see this in our own eyes. That will start in every moment, in every hour. Between every lovers, between a husband and wife, between a father to son, when the love is real and strong between them, they will never say, that's my obligation, and more than that, I don't want to do. If you find that the husband and wife do for each other only what they must do, here is your meal, Moshe. And she runs to the room. You don't need a lot. You see, the marriage is rotten. But when the wife put colors, this, that, cut it in a special way, brings him extra, makes sure he likes the drink cold, whatever. It's not, we're not talking life and death here. You know she invested in it. And you know there's a real love. Nobody told her to cut it in a special way and to serve it in a special way and to run get him something that, you know, he can manage without it. That's the difference between I do it because I must do it or I do it because I believe in what I do and I love to do. When you love someone, you want to give him much more. Come, take more. Come, can I give you this? Can I give you? No, no, it's good enough. No, no. You see, when I go to Arizona, there's one guy over there, Michael his name. I always come with a big suitcase full of CDs on wheels. I don't carry it on my shoulder. Only besides putting it in the plane and bringing it down, 
Other than that, it walks by itself. But when he see me, he'd grab it from my hand and pick it up in the air and walk with that in the airport. He said, oh, it's OK. There's wheels. He wants, he does it with so much love that he doesn't care now. It's going to be one ton on his shoulder, entire way, all the way to the parking. 10 minutes walk, elevator, upstairs, downstairs. Where is the car? We carry it like this. And <laughs> it's wheels. That's what it means when you love someone, you enjoy to do. You don't care about the weight. When you love Hashem, you care that you have to put filin. You have to put filin 50 times a day, you'll be happy. You care that you have to give money to the poor. You enjoy doing it because you know, oh, it's, it's what Hashem expects from me. When you love someone, you definitely don't want to upset him, even one minute a year. If you're, if you're willing to upset a person, it's a sign you don't love him. Something is not good about his love. Many people want to upset the other side to get attention from them. Don't do it to Hashem. You don't want Hashem to give you the wrong attention that you need. That's for sure not good. So, since time is almost running out on us, we will finish this chapter today, Bezrat Hashem, chapter 18. Uh, of course, we can talk about it forever, but, you know, we speak very brief about all this. So it says like this, he will never do only what he's obligated, what, was, what he was ordered. He will do even things that wasn't a part of the contract, right? I remember I have a friend that recently had a heart attack, and by miracle he got saved. A person I love very much. He's a Hasid. He lives in Monroe now. He used to live in Monsi. So, you know, Simcha is name. He loves his job very much. He's a catering. He loves doing for people so much, especially if he loves someone, that almost all his catering events, he loses money from his pocket. And when my brother got married, I, that was many years ago, I called him to do the caterer. We agree on certain things on the menu. We do this, we do. When I came to the place, he got maybe five times more than what we wanted. I said to him, I didn't order this. I don't. He said, don't worry, everything on the house. I want people to be happy. When you love someone, you don't care how much it costs you. You don't care how much you work. You enjoy the doing, the preparation. All of a sudden, instead of a heavy weight, it becomes pleasure. If so, this is what the Torah said that Hashem told the Jews. When everyone was religious, remember, this is 3,300 years ago. I'm upset. Not because you didn't follow my instructions. You did. Hashem confirmed. You were religious, no problem. You did not do it with happiness and joys. For that I'm complaining. For that. And that's the key to succeed in life. Sometimes you come, you see righteous people. I'll give you an example. I have a phone that has his own free choice. Free choice. What does it mean? Usually a person that has a phone, he controls the phone, who to call, who not. My phone gets krizot. You know what krizot? All something happened to him. It's like Shor Muad, he decides to call people. But I, real, I, real, I realize that he doesn't call just people. He called the right people in the right time. So yesterday, he started to call some Hasid, Rav Shmuel Hus from Borough Park. 
צד שצדיק, all he cares about bringing Jews and making them close to the Torah. Nah, you don't have one dot of bed in this person. My phone dialed to him three times yesterday. So today he called me, called me back. He said, you know, you've been calling me yesterday all day. I said, you know, it wasn't me, it was my phone. First he said, I'm so honored that you called me. I said to him, what an embarrassment if you know it was my phone. But then I said, I cannot deceive him. So I told him, you know, the truth is I really love you. Not that I don't love you, but my phone, I get <laughs> decided to call you. Guess what in the end? In the end, I'm speaking in Williamsburg for the Hasidim. You know, some Hasidim that have doubts, they want to get real proofs and they're embarrassed to ask where they live. So somebody organized. And that's why my phone was calling him, because he was waiting for, for months until something like this would happen. As we started the conversation, I told him, you know, by the way, I'm going to be in that place. He recognized them. Wow, I'm so happy. I was waiting for. The phone knows who to call. <laughs> yeah. He's just not always doing it in the right time. Sometimes it's 2 o'clock at night. He calls one billionaire who can use his help. But the phone decided to call him 2 o'clock, 2.15. Just by itself, he dials. Very strange. Anyway, but every time he called someone, something good is following after that. That's the phone. Anyway, we move back to what we said here. So it says like this. <coughs> A person says, when a person say, when he sees that he has to do something, he always uses his head a lot, how can I improve and do more than the instruction I receive? And you have a worker and you tell him to do something. He can do what you want, but then when he cares for you, he improves, he's going to do something much better. I have a guy like this in Toronto that contacted me, he wants to help on a website. So he does everything that I need on a website. I tell him, do this, change this, do security, whatever. But when you tell him to do something, he can do one, two, three, what you ask. Because I'm not an expert in things in websites, securities. But he goes out of his way, even though it's a hundred times more efforts, hundred times more, to do what the right to do, not what I request. Can, I can do what I want. I'm happy. I don't know any better. And he's using his head. How? For today I ask him, everywhere I go, people tell me, make an app. App. I don't know what app. By Apple. There's a, a shop. App, you know, so people can go. I told him about it. So he said, well, the right way to do it is this way. And then we have to upload each lecture separately. I said, you're crazy. Each has thousand lectures. Say, so find a way to do it one, two, three. I don't have to. No, it doesn't work. He's not afraid of the work. A thousand hours of work. I thought he's going to do something that would take him half an hour. That's what I requested. He went into a thousand hours of plan to work. I said, no, no, no. I'm not interested <laughs> that you're going to start working a thousand hours. But this is when you love what you do. He does it for the sake of heaven, for Hashem. You're not looking for shortcuts. That's how you see if people love Hashem in the prayers. Right away they run, before it's even over. It's a burden. When will I get out of here? A person that comes to the house of God is in a rush to leave. If Obama will invite you to the White House, you tell him after 15 minutes I gotta run. What would you tell him? My wife waiting for me? What would you tell him? 
It's going to be a serious insult. Wow, he came, and after 15 minutes, he ran from the party. And this is called Ose Nachat Ruach Leotzro. This is what the Chazal is speaking about, is bringing satisfaction to his creator. So the rule of Hasidut, the foundation of Hasidut is expanding the obligation, covering it from all details in every possible way, to add only what we can do to make it better than what it, that originally it was. And the most important thing to aim what's the right way to bring real pleasure to Hashem for what I'm doing. Next week, Bezrat Hashem, we're going to start chapter 19. Chapter 19 now goes into the details of Midat Hasidur, which will be even more interesting than today. He's going to speak about three different categories of Hasidut, three different categories. The way that we do the act, the way that we do the mitzvah, and uh, the, well, first, the actual commandments that we do. Then the second one, how we're doing it. And the third one, what's in our mind when we're doing it, the, in, the, intention, the intentions that we have. So even the first category, there are three categories, you can break it into two mini categories, which is between a person to God and between a person to people. So you can, it's two different mini categories. And many things that how it's going to affect our life. When you do only what you are obligated, what are you getting? When you do extra, what are you getting? How does it affect reward, punishment, your afterlife, this life? Certain things that we may lose because we're not doing it correctly. It's going to be very interesting shiur Bezrat Hashem on the next Monday, 8.30. Baruch Adonai Lo'olam. Amen ve'amen.